You can have a seat this morning. It is so good to see you. We are here not for ourselves necessarily. You're not here to please anybody except for Jesus. And we desire that he would do what he does. And what is it that he does when his church gathers? He builds it up. He strengthens it because he speaks to the church through the ministry of his word. He moves among the church through the ministry of his spirit, working through his people. He actually, as we gather together, gives us strength and courage and faith to face the trials at hand and holds us when we're weak and trembling and breathes new life into us. When the church gathers, he puts on display his saving power so that all who are here as guests and observers can see what he's done in people's lives. And through the conversations that you've had before and after service, he shares God in his mercy and goodness, shares with you one to another what God is doing and how he is moving. My goodness, some of us, some of us actually think the church is like a social club. It is so much more than that. And the gathering of God's people is so much more than just duty, isn't it? So much more than just a, a box to get checked off on your daily routine. It is good to see you. I'm going to let me start my timer here, else I'll just keep going. It is so good to see you here. My name is Matt. I am a pastor here at the church at Newtown Road. Whether you've been here for 30 years or 30 seconds, we're excited you're with us. We believe God wants to do something in our midst today, and he wants to do something in your life to challenge you, to encourage you, to speak to you, to let you know that he's here, that he's not far off, that he's close, that he loves you with an everlasting love, and he wants to pursue you. And he has pursued you in Jesus Christ. Today is a really important day. Not only, I ordered a side of spring and it showed up. So I want you to know that you can thank me for that. Because I believe the Lord loves me and wants me to make it through another northeast winter. And so he gives me days like this to keep me going. So next week we're going to have to dig out of like half a foot of snow. But that's okay. Today, today I feel good. It is good to see you here today. It's an important day, not only because uh, of the beautiful weather and we're gathered, but it's important because we are starting to unfold our, our year-wide challenge for 2020, our year-long challenge, uh, church-wide. Maybe you remember we announced it last week, really, really catchy. It all plays off the idea that we are in 2020. So we have challenged our church family, you remember, 20 minutes a day in prayer and Bible reading. $20 a month given so that we can give $20,000 away to local organizations in our community, people in need, and 20 people in your life that you can pray for and engage in a gospel conversation and invite to come to church. Pretty simple. We should be able to do it. It is our hope and our desire that as we partner in these areas, as we throw our energies into places where God is already working through his word, He's already called us to be cheerful givers. He actually says that if we will so liberally and give cheerfully and liberally, he'll, that we will be able to re, uh, reap a harvest that is liberal and excessive. He's already promised. He's already called us to be ambassadors and salt and light in this world. So if we jump into the places that he's already told us to be, we can trust that he will move in power and grow us. Lord willing, we'll be able to reach our communities. Lord willing, we'll be able to grow in our faith. Lord willing, in, in 2021, when we look back on this past year, we will, we will exhaust ourselves singing the praises of God and what he's done. So today, 
I'm excited. I'm excited to get into this first portion of our challenge, which really is the foundational portion of this challenge, the 20 minutes a day in prayer and Bible reading. Now, the reason, I think part of the reason we have to get to this point where we have to remind ourselves as Christians to, to develop this pattern, this habit, is, is a little bit of a, um, honestly, it's, it's, it's not a good look for us, if we, if we could be honest, right? Knowledge has increased to the point where we have at our disposal more biblical teaching and more Bible translations than any generation of Christians in all of human history. And we, we take that for granted an awful lot. Like we, like we also take for granted the fact that like it'll take an act of Congress to figure out where my family's going to eat at fast food today. Because there's so many options. When my, when my grandparents were coming of age, they had like two, right? But now we've got this huge list of options, so, so it complicates things. There are so many Bibles available. I had today, I, I discarded the uh, Christian CBD, the catalog came, 67 pages front and back just of a Bible catalog. 67 pages of Bibles that I could order. They had like a sportsman's Bible, an athlete's Bible. They had a basket weaving Bible, an Eskimo Bible. They even had an essential oils Bible. It was, (laughs) each of the pages was infused with a different oil. And as you read it, your respiratory system cleared up and your face got smooth. It was for $19.99, you can order that, and I can get that to you tomorrow. It's been a while. So. Uh, but the point is, there are so many Bibles we have at our disposal. The problem is not access to information. Because right now, the church of Jesus is more biblically anemic than we've ever been. The problem isn't a lack of information and access. The problem is a lack of execution. We aren't acting on it. We aren't reading. We aren't studying. We aren't making the Bible a priority in our lives. We say it is, but we're not making it a priority in our lives. So we start there. We begin there because we believe that if we would start with a foundation of hearing from God, that all of life would unfold in a better way, in an honorable way, in a way that we'd be faithful to him and do what he wants us to do. So there's the challenge. The challenge, what is it that we're wanting you to do? We're going to go real basic this morning. What is it that we want you to do? What we want you to do is spend 20 minutes a day in prayer and Bible study. And maybe we should reframe that word there. It's not spending 20 minutes. You are investing 20 minutes, right? It's clearly an investment of time because it will bring a glorious return. Many of us know the tremendous value of that rhythm, that that regular, consistent, daily quiet time where we wake up out of bed and we begin our day by putting our noses in the Bible and hearing from God. It's become, for some of us, it's become a life-giving practice. But for every one of us who who that's true of, that it is a life-giving practice, we could probably all tell horror stories about how it didn't happen that way at first, right? Right? How many of you have tried and failed through the years, along with me, to get a good Bible reading plan established? Hands up all over them. We've tried and we've struggled. It just didn't work. We know it's important, we know it's a priority, but we still have, a, have difficulty making that consistent. This year is an opportunity for you to join with your brothers and sisters in our church family and start fresh. 
But here's the the thing. If you just kind of stumble into this thing without giving it some thought up front, I think it'll be more difficult than it needs to be for you. It would be helpful for you to begin with a plan, to consider what you're going to do when you're going to do it, and not just, not just for people like me who like plans. Like, I, I plan for planning sessions. I don't know about you. Like, there are, on my calendar this week, there's a, a section of time blocked off for me to plan. I've already planned for it. Some of you are like me, and this works great for you. Some of you are not like me at all, and it's still, <laughs> Pastor Duke, I'm going to tell that Seattle story if you don't stop. Uh, some of you are not like me at all, and, and, but it's still wise to, to pause for a moment and envision, what is it that I want to do, and can I get that done? It doesn't have to be real detailed, but think through a little bit this morning. I mean, that old adage is true, failing to plan is planning to fail. So here's what we need to do. We need to make a plan for what we're going to do. If you're going to join us 20 minutes a day, Begin to think about how you're going to do this. First thing you need to do is pick a time. When? When are you going to do this? Are you a morning person like me? I'm sorry, like all, we should apologize to our spouses and our children, all of us, who like to get up and bang around early in the morning. Right? If you're a morning person like me, then you're probably thinking about doing this in the morning because you're fresh, you're excited, you love waking up, you love Mondays, you're one of those sick people, Right? So if that's you and you're sharp and that, that you feel like you could find some time, 20 minutes, that, well then you're probably planning for the morning. Maybe you're a night owl, you're an evening person, and you really hit your stride after the kids go to bed. Well then you need to be thinking about, well, maybe that's my investment of time. Maybe there's some time there where I could take. Here's an idea. Maybe, maybe this is something that you've got children and you'll do as a family. Maybe during like family dinner, when you finish the main course, You'll have somebody grab the Bible and you'll read a chapter a day with us and talk together with your family about what's going on. 20 minutes. Could you invest 20 minutes there? Maybe for you it'll be, be, you're an empty nester and it'll be just time with your husband or wife after dinner. Just reading and discussing what's going on. Bottom line though, think through and select a time that you think would work best for you. Just just work, think about that. What? When in your regular day would an extra 20 minutes be least obstructive, right? Because the the point is, we have the time, we haven't made the time. So time for us is an issue, right? So don't compound it. Don't be like, hey, I'm going to get up at 3 in the morning and do this. Well, that's silly. Other than Dean Mays, no one else gets up that early, right? So I think Josh Hainer's milking cows at 3 a.m. too, so... But you don't have cows. What are you doing awake? So other than 3 a.m., I mean, set it for a time that's going to work for you. Second, pick a place. This is real basic stuff. Think about where you're going to do this. Envision right now. Envision yourself waking up or, or setting, up, setting down some time. Where will you be? Will you be at your desk at home? Will it be at a coffee shop on your way to work? Will it be at your, in your car on your lunch break? Quick time out, when I, was, uh, when I just graduated college, before I had found a role in ministry, I was working on a construction site, which I know you find amusing, but so did everybody I worked with, I promise. And, uh, and, and so I would, every day for my lunch break, I would steal away from the guys on the crew that I was working with, for obvious reasons, and I would go and I'd, I had my little NASB Bible, and I'd just sit down and read my, uh, read my Bible and eat my lunch, and it was just life-giving for me. Maybe you need to do that. 
Maybe, maybe lunchtime for you and work, your work environment is not a really great place that doesn't build you up. Maybe that's a perfect place to grab some time, 20 minutes, and read a chapter. Pick a place. Plan for how you're going to participate in this challenge. Think through it. Because the simple fact of the day, and this is, this is uh, from David Mathis' book, Habits of Grace. Some of you have read it with me. It's amazing about spiritual disciplines. He says, at the end of the day, there is simply no replacement for finding a regular time and place, blocking out distractions, putting your nose in the text, and letting your mind and heart be led and captured and thrilled by God himself, communicating to us in his written word. So the challenge is that. Join us in that, in burying your nose in the Bible or your screen if you're reading electronically and seeking to have your heart and mind captured and thrilled by God. Now, if you've never established this pattern, this is a perfect opportunity to jump in. Perfect opportunity. Because there's a group of us doing it together. There's support here in this place. It's a great way to get started. If you already have a habit, and you're like, Matt, that's, that's great news, but I've already been fairly consistent. God has been good, and he's allowed me to do that. Then would you consider adding 20 minutes to your routine? Would you consider joining with us in what we're reading too, in addition to what you're doing? Would you consider in that, that 20 more investment for the sake of unity here? I want to offer a quick word of caution as we, as we get going in this, though. At the end of the day, this isn't about our achievement or success. It's not about a checklist that you can, can uh, uh, mark off. Some of you are progress junkies like me, and, and we have this tendency to, like, I add stuff to my to-do list when I wasn't on there just so I get the satisfaction of making it go away, right? Yeah, pray for my wife. And, and so it's not about that. We're, we're not doing this. The goal isn't just to get through. In fact, if that's your goal and you, you join us the entire year, but your heart isn't moved and captured by the God who spoke through the word, then we're missing the point. Which causes us to ask the big question, why? Why should I do this? Why should I jump in with our church? And this for so many reasons, this, uh, more than I have time today, this, this should be fairly self-explanatory. This is kind of like the signs that they have near the volcanoes that say, don't walk on the hot lava. Like, how many idiots had to fall through before they put that sign up? Like, is that really necessary? Or, or you know when you get your cup of coffee at Dunkin' Donuts and they say, would you like that iced or hot? And you say, hot? And then they hand you the cup and it Tells you that it's hot? Like, is that really necessary? We just had this conversation, right? It's kind of self-explanatory, but for those of you to, to whom this is new, or maybe we just need a refresher, let's pause this morning and ask why. Why should we read the Bible? And the, the reason that I think you should read the Bible is because of what we believe the Bible is and what the Bible does. Because if the Bible is really what we claim it to be, then we have to treat it differently than anything else, any other work of literature, any other book that we own. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Paul writes to young Timothy, remember this, I assume you remember, we went through it a couple years ago. I know the sermon I preached on this changed your life. So I know you remember it, you all remember it very closely. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Here's what Paul says to Timothy. He says, all scripture 
is breathed out by God and is profitable for, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. What is it that we believe about the Bible? We believe that the scriptures, the Holy Bible that we have, are breathed out by God. That they are inspired. And what that means is that not in a sentimental sense, but in a real sense, in an objective sense, this book is not the words of men. We hold that it is the word of God. That men were carried along by the Holy Spirit and wrote down exactly what God wanted men to know. And in that sense, the Bible is an emanation. It is, it, its essence is divine. It is an ex, it's like God exhaled. The word breathed out is the word for, for spirit, pneuma. He like, he breathes it out. And what we receive in the scriptures then is his will, his character, his nature, his connection with us. The word itself is infused with all of that. Now, if that's true, and that's what we believe, and this is not just good literature, which it is. This is not just an inspiring speech like the Gettysburg Address or, or Lou Gehrig's Luckiest Man, right? No, it is inspired, not just that it's inspiring. When we read the Bible, we read the Word of God, meaning that he's, correct, he's directed and controlled it so that what we have is what he wanted us to know about himself. It's breathed out by him. It is his revelation to us. We hold that, that men and women are born in a darkened state of mind because of sin, right? Our hearts are broken. They're turned away from God. We have the sin problem where we act in ways and we are contrary to his righteous standard. And because of sin, our eyes are veiled and they're darkened and we can't see clearly. We need the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ to show us the way of salvation. We need the light of God's wisdom to show us what wisdom looks like in this world. We hold that if he would not have revealed himself in that precise way, we would not know him. He reveals his power, right? There's an eternal power that is seen in creation. We can look around the world and we see the evidence of a creator. But to specifically understand that that creator loved me and gave his only son to die on the cross that I might be set free from sin, we need special revelation. We need him to show us, to tell us. And when we look at the Bible then, what we have is God's self-disclosure. He pulls the veil off and he says, this is who I am. This is what I'm about. This is what I want from you. This is what I require from you. He reveals to us who he is. And in that sense then, we, we don't just know principles. See, I think, I think some of us have approached the Bible as though it's a handbook like some kind of manual. Like if I have problem X in my life, I turn to page 174 and read paragraph 3, and then I can fix problem X. The problem is that's not the way the Bible works. The Bible's not a manual. It's not a collection of remedies and recipes. No, no, no. As we, as we study the Bible, we know the mind and the will and the heart of God. 
And his spirit moves through us to make us wise to the things at hand. So that problem X is able to be resolved through the teachings of the scripture. But it's not, it's not by looking in the table of contents. It's because that over time our minds have been transformed by their renewing. And God's spirit has control over our emotions. And he begins to work us to a favorable end in those moments. So because of the uniqueness of the Bible, that it's God's word, and because of the power it has, if it really is God's word, then it has power different than other books. I read good books. I like good books. I, last year I got in the habit of reading some like American classics, some stuff I did in like high school that I wasn't really paying attention to. So I, I read To Kill a Mockingbird, and I read Of Mice and Men, and I started to re, re, refer back to some of those really uh, foundational texts that, that our generation had to, to suffer through. And they're inspiring, right? There, there's power in those stories. Atticus Finch is my hero, right? There is power there, but not like in the Bible. Not like when I look to the scriptures. There's a power there to do something different. Not just to inspire me, but to give me strength. And that's where the power of the Bible is. That's, it's mysterious. It's kind of mystical at times. But any of us who have spent time in the scriptures know this to be true, that the Bible has power to produce faith in us. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. We might not have faith, and miraculously we start reading the Bible and all of a sudden God strengthens us and gives us courage and faith to believe. Or we don't know God, we start to study the scriptures and all of a sudden our hearts are turned towards him. And this God we used to ridicule, now we worship and love. Because through the preaching and teaching of his word, through the reading of his word, faith is developed. It produces growth in us. Romans chapter 12 tells us this, that we're not to be conformed to the image of this world. We're not to just be blindly led along by, by a group of people who don't love Jesus and don't submit to his word. We're not to be conformed because we get changed and shaped and warped. We are instead to be transformed, how? By the renewing of our minds. That by by the regular, consistent reading of the Bible and meditating on the Bible and memorizing the Bible and discussing the Bible, our minds are transformed so that we think God's thoughts, that we begin to interpret the world through the lens of the scriptures, that wisdom is available to us in each moment. It produces growth. The Bible also has power to protect us. Remember what the psalmist says in Psalm 119? I, that your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. I'm a mess. I don't know about you. I have, a, I have a difficult time beating my will into submission. You know what's helpful? Hearing and knowing God's word on what I should do in a given situation. Hearing and knowing his desires for me for growth and sanctification for my holiness, his mission for me that I would be used as an ambassador to reach other people, knowing and being reminded of God's plans and purposes for me help to protect me from the dangerous temptations that this world provides. Just consider it was the power of God's word that brought creation into existence. God said, let there be light, and there was light. His word. It was the power of his word that split the light and the darkness. It was the power of his word that called out his people. Remember his covenant, his oath that he spoke, he revealed, he communicated to Abram, Abraham, confirmed it to Isaac and to Jacob. It was his word that marked his people. 
Which other nation had a God that revealed a law to them? That loved them enough to self-disclose what is required of them? Only God's people had that. In the opening verses of John's gospel, Jesus is actually identified as the word himself. And it was through the words of Christ that we've come to know and understand the gospel, that God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish and have everlasting life. It was the word of Jesus that stilled the seas, that healed the sick, restored the paralyzed, lifted the oppressed, raised the dead, and established the church, commissioning his followers to go to the ends of the earth. And it is, it is his word today, the word of his power, that still holds it all together. And if that's what we as the church believe about his word, then we ought to bury our noses in the text and our hearts as well and be captivated and moved and wowed and wondered that God in the heavens would speak to us. But we're not just looking just to engage in Bible reading this year. We're also looking for that to lead us into a regular pattern of prayer. Now, truth be told, it's, fair, it's a fairly natural progression. Kind of, you, it's almost like a, some of you guys are hikers. I, I like to hike. Nothing crazy, but I like to do some hiking. And I love that mountaintop view that just kind of all your effort, all your work, all your grinding, your sweat, your nasty, you, you get to the top and you can't really speak because you're just awestruck. All your effort to get there, and the moment you get there, you just shut up and you start talking to God. It naturally, the beauty of his revelation in creation naturally draws you into communion with him. The same is true of his word. The beauty of his self-disclosure, the beauty of him speaking to you in the word naturally draws us into communion with him. He's spoken. It's your turn to respond. It's like a conversation that just got started. Hi, my name's Matt. What's your name? If you just sit there quiet and stone-faced, we don't really have much of a conversation. By the way, some of you could work on that. Just going just gonna, gonna to hang that out there. Some of us are putting ourselves out there trying to make friends. And you could smile once in a while. All right. But it's the same way God speaks to us through his word. We have an invitation to speak back in prayer. So we're asking for prayer. Now, some of us have really struggled with this one. I have, I have consistently found it easier to develop a Bible reading pattern than I have a prayer pattern. I don't know if that's true for you too. I think maybe because there's an, it's objective, it's tactile, I can put my hands on it, and I get really distracted. Because thankful, thankfully my wife, who is a psych major, pointed out in our first year of marriage that I have undiagnosed ADHD. And the lesson in that is be careful who you marry. Right? And if you want to find out what's wrong with you for the rest of your life, find somebody who majored in psychology. It helps. Right? I have consistently found prayer hard to engage in. So maybe that's a habit that you're not, you don't have a lot of experience with. So we've decided to, to package it together and, and try to whet the appetite, get you started. So, so here's some practical, helpful things that I've picked up along the way. Right? If you're looking to engage with us in this, and prayer is kind of like, well, I don't really know what I'm supposed to pray for. I pray for my meals. I pray at night with the kids before they go to bed. I don't really know how to expand that. Well, think about this. One, begin with the Bible. Begin with what God has already spoken to you. Engage on that. It's, it's a conversation. 
right? If, if someone speaks to you, you engage with what they've offered you. So if God speaks to you through his word, then begin there. Begin to thank him for revealing himself in the word. Begin to thank him for what he's shown you in the scripture. Thank him for being a God who speaks, for stopping you dead in your tracks with something so beautiful you needed to hear. Ask him for strength to help you obey and to, be, and to honor him. Follow the ACTS method, A-C-T-S. You can do that in just a couple minutes. You start with A, adoration. You praise God for who he is. That he's a God who speaks, a God who reveals, a God who saves, a God who loves. You move into confession. Because once you set your eyes on a God like that, you realize, wow, I don't measure up. And it naturally leads you to confess, God, I'm sorry that I, I've not honored you the way I'm supposed to. I've not believed you the way I'm supposed to. My faith is weak and I need your help. Confess that to him. And can I be honest with you? You can be honest with him. He's not, he's not weak. <laughs> he's strong enough to hear all of your confession. Even the nasty stuff you don't want anyone to know about. Even those hard issues that you don't want anyone to know are there. He's strong enough to heal all of it. Even your anger and frustration with him. He's strong enough even to hear that. Confess it to him. And then move into thanksgiving because he's a God who provided a way to, to cover over all of that in Christ. And he's ministered to you in ways you didn't deserve. And then move into supplication or asking, thing, asking for stuff. We could change that to stuff, couldn't we? Ken, could we do that? We'll change that to stuff. Because supplication is a weird word. But that's where you ask God for the stuff. You ask him to move in you and in your friends. You ask him to intervene in their lives. You ask him to provide. That's you start with adoration, move to confession, thanksgiving, stuff. All right? Follow that pattern. Use that. But be honest. Be honest in your prayer time. God is strong enough to handle it all. Set appropriate expectations. I feel like I say this every time I talk to somebody who, every new year people come and they say, hey, I'm so excited. I'm going to read the Bible six times in Latin this year. And I'm like, that's amazing. I love you, but it's probably not going to happen. All right? Set an appropriate expectation. For instance, if today you don't have a pattern of Bible reading and a pattern of prayer, and your expectation is that you're going to wake up at 3 o'clock tomorrow and read and pray from 3 to 6, you are setting yourself up for failure. Be, be discerning. Be wise. Set appropriate expectations. If you've never tried at all, start with these 20 minutes with us. You know what I think is going to happen? I was talking... Judy's not here. I think she's serving in the kids' ministry this morning. I was talking with, with, one, uh, with Judy guys this morning. You know what's going to happen? You're going to start there, and then you'll grow. Because you will literally whet your appetite. You'll hunger things from the Word. You'll desire time with God. He'll start to move in ways in your own heart that you never knew were possible. And you'll want to linger there like a good friend. You'll want to spend more time with them. But start with those 20 minutes. Consider redeeming the time. Some of you guys are, are, are guys and gals have they leave the work, you leave uh, the house early to get to the office. You're stuck for an hour on the Northway. Have you ever considered redeeming that time? I mean, you're you're stuck. You can't really go anywhere. You could get mad and curse at everybody. It doesn't really help. It doesn't relieve stress. You just break stuff and you look like an idiot, right? What if you redeemed that time? What if when you get in your car each day, you've got a little three-by-five card with some people you're praying for, and you, you tap that right there on your dashboard. And as you're stuck in traffic, you just let your mind 
dwell on that and you begin to pray that God would move in their hearts. That You start to worship him for what you see and what he's revealed. You confess the areas where you need his help and his grace. What if you redeemed that time? Some of you, that's an hour a day. Just think about that. By conservative estimates, if our church, conservatively, would join us in this 20 minutes a day for the next year, over the course of the next year, we will have invested, as a church, 36,500 hours together in prayer and Bible study. Conservatively. 36,000 hours in prayer and Bible study over the next year. What might God do in a church's heart that does that? What might the Lord show us? What might he lead us to? Who might he add to our fellowship? People who need to hear that God has revealed himself in the pages of the scripture, revealed himself in the Lord Jesus. They need to be connected to him through faith. People who need healing and hope. People whose lives are falling apart and they just need a foundation to stand on. What would God do in a community with a group of people who invest almost 40,000 hours in reading the Bible and praying to him. I would like to see. Because God has told us that if his people who are called by his name would humble themselves and pray and seek his face, that he would hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. What if we actually put feet to that? What if we started tomorrow morning? But as it relates to your 20 challenge, each day you read the Bible, we're asking you to spend some time in prayer too. We'll talk some more in the future about that, how it all breaks down, but that's it. It's that simple. Praise the Lord for who he is, what he's shown you in his word. Confess to him places where you need help. Thank him for what he's done and forgiveness he's given. Ask him to be faithful and ask him to minister in other places. You'd be surprised how much time you can spend just doing that. You'd be surprised how long you can linger as your heart just gets captivated again with a God who listens who stoops down, who bends, who comes near in our suffering. How are we going to do this? I am so glad you asked that question. How are we? There's a million different ways we could do this. I could pull out that CBD catalog and we could all order the uh, ice fishing Bible and we could do it that way, but we're not going to. How is it that we're going to do this? We're going to use a coordinated reading plan to help us stay together while we read through the New Testament for the next year. We're going to set a reasonable expectation one that we hope our children and our students can join us in as well, families can do together, one chapter a day through the New Testament. That way it'll be a group project, right? Part of what we're hoping to do here is that we want the individual efforts that we're putting together to actually strengthen the unity of the church corporately. And there's something really powerful when we're all going through the same stuff together. Our conversations are seasoned with what we're learning We're all in this together. We know what it takes. We know the sacrifice. We know the struggle. We know the beauty of what God's doing in us each day. We have the desire to see that individual discipline bear corporate fruit. So one chapter a day in the New Testament with the opportunity for Bible reading or Bible memory on the weekend. A verse or two that you read during that week selected to memorize on the weekend to hide God's word in our heart. So how can you participate? Oh, it gets really good. Well, look at that. I have in my hand a card that was on like every other seat this morning. You can see behind me the instructions on how to access that coordinated reading plan. So you can do this later, or if I could get you to jump off Snapchat and Instagram for five minutes, you could do it right now. Go to your app store and download the Bible app. If you just search Bible, 
I helped my new friend Linda learn this just the other day. If you just search Bible in the app store, you can find it right away. Okay? It looks like that, the Holy Bible. It's the YouVersion app. It's amazing. The, seriously, the functionality of this thing will blow your mind. This, the resources and tools that you'll have available. So you download that. It's free. Thanks to the good people at Life Church, it is free. Search for Daily New Testament Quarter 1. It looks like that, that little blue square right there. And select that plan. And launch it with us Monday morning, January 13th. And then, as you're learning and reading, as God is ministering to you through the word, share what you're learning with us using the hashtag Newtown20. That way we can encourage one another. That way this isn't an individual thing. It's a group project. Remember what 1 Corinthians 14, 26 tells us? That when we come together, and even if we have a virtual gathering, the things God is doing in us, the work he's doing, the lesson he's teaching you, the revelation he's giving you, the, the word of praise that he's put in your heart is not just for you, but it's to build the church up. But if you squander and don't tell anybody, how can the church be built up? You have to, we have to have a mechanism to share that. This is our mechanism right here. Jump online on social media. Share with us what you're learning. It all sounds pretty basic, right? Nuts and bolts. Practical. Here's the X factor in all of this. Right? When we engage in this plan, we are not reading simply a legend. We are not reading a mythology. We, this isn't a fairy tale. This isn't bedtime stories for our children. There is a strange enigmatic power that that comes from the word of God. These words that we read are not only to convey a story or a truth or a principle, they are to convey to us the mind and the heart of our creator, our redeemer, the sustainer of our lives. These words will transform us. This year could change your life literally. This year could transform your perspective Literally. The Holy Spirit attends to his word. And as we read, we need to be reminded we are not alone in the reading of the word. That God himself meets us there. And as somebody who struggled for a long time but established a pattern, I am so thankful for a God who ministers to me morning by morning. As we bury our noses in the text and allow him to speak. All right, so what? So what? That's how we end all of our sermons here, right? So what? What does that mean for you? What does that mean? Well, there's a really clear application today, right? There's one real clear, but here it is. Because of the Bible's power and its holy essence, that it is the word of God, because of what it is, we must treat it differently than anything else, any other work of literature we have, any other book that we own. We, we have to. Can we just agree on that? It's God's word to us. We are his people. He speaks to us. We would do well to listen to him as often as we can. You can't exhaust the words that he says. I have a child. I have four children. One of them is not here. The child, one of these unnamed children that doesn't, isn't attending right now. He has this problem where, where he speaks all the words that he knows in a day. And sometimes I exaggerate and take pastoral liberties. No, that's not an exaggeration. Every word that he knows, 
he uses 3.8 times every day. And sometimes we have to look at him and say to him, buddy, shh, I can't hear anymore, right? God's not like that. You can never exhaust all that he has to say or all that he wants to hear from you. Spend your time with him. Because of what it is, we should treat it differently. We should sing it and memorize it and study it and meditate on it and read it for fun and read it for depth and share it with others and do everything we can to build our lives upon it. And secondly, because we have a God, we serve a God who revealed himself to us, who pursues us in relationship, he's made a way for us to commune with him in prayer. We should be people of prayer. This is not a guilt trip. This is just observation. God has made a way for us to know his heart, his will, his character. And he's made a way for us to commune with him. We should take him up on that. We should receive from him all the blessings that he gives us. Thirdly, and this is the big challenge today, are you going to join us or not? Will you take this commitment with us this year? Will you spend the next moments in opening 2020 figuring out, can you join us? Do you have a time, you have a place, you have a plan? Can you jump in with us? Can you invest 20 minutes a day with us for the next year? Can you be part of our 36,500 hours invested? Can you imagine what God might do in your own heart? If for the next year, you have a pattern of daily listening to him, communing with him, and looking for his answers in prayer. My goodness, what could God do with the church? in a year like that. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the work you're doing, for the work you've already done. And Lord, we know with a, with a church like ours, we have some seasoned Christian veterans in the room. And God, their stories of your faithfulness through their regular Bible reading and prayer is inspiring. Thank you for their example. Lord, I pray for those of us who are a little younger and a little newer to this. God, that you would inspire us today. God, give us a vision for this. Give us passion for this. Help us to know that with your strength, we can do this. Lord, hold us captive by that thought. What could you do in my heart if for the next year I spent every day in the word? Lord, I pray that you wouldn't let that thought escape us today. That we would submit ourselves with all of our good intentions to your power and ask for the strength to be faithful in this. And Lord, I pray for our church that you would show them things in the Bible they've never seen before. That you would speak to them through your word in ways so clear they've never heard it before. And that you would move in power and draw their hearts to a deeper prayer life than they've ever known before. God, I pray that you'd establish the works of our hands for your purposes so that we might see this church grow, so that we might see this community changed, so we might see the light of the gospel push back the darkness in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.